Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall and I'm Steve Pander. Zach will be joining us later in tonight's show. Is he stuck on the ferry still? No, oh, he's okay. he's doing strange things with bricks. Lego bricks. Yeah, yeah. He's at a Lego convention. Something I think it's Richmond, I think. Yeah, it's yeah. a river rock. Yeah, yeah. And he can't leave until they do the special draw to yeah. see if he wins the prize. He better win the prize for coming late. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, I think he, I think it's over now. I think he's probably on his way. He's probably listening to this, going, "I told you not to mention Lego." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it spoils his hard man image. Yeah, yeah, it does. Think, yeah. Yeah. But this is episode 340. It's been a fun weekend. Lots of games, some controversies, lots of storylines to chat about. We'll be looking at things in MLS, CPL, Beyond in our headlines. I'd hope to have our big TSS Rovers roster reveal, but that's still having to wait. They're not ready to reveal it yet. Hopefully they'll have it ready to reveal by next Sunday, because that's when their first game is. It'll be important. Yeah, but check AFTN over the course of this week. We will hopefully have that roster reveal for you. But we have to kick things off. With Whitecaps. Yep. Colorado Rapids. The toilet bowl, if you want to call it that. The battle of the basement dwellers. Cellar dwellers. Cellar dwellers. That's what they yes. yeah, They like rhyming. It was it was it, it was a good game. Yeah. It was weird because this is what a winning weekend feels like. Yeah. And I'd kind of forgotten what that actually felt like. It was nice. Even though it was on a Friday, but still counts as a weekend again. Weekend guess. starts here. Yeah. But yeah, it it was it was entertaining, if nothing else. A roller coaster of emotions between two teams that clearly have a lot of deficiencies on display. The win was great. The nature of it, a little bit concerning. And the way the game played out on the whole, a bit worrying. But we'll try and be a bit positive yeah. to start with. I'm, I'm waiting to see what you say about this. What, what was your general <laughs> feelings coming out of it? I, I really had no... I, I I think I had probably had less issues about it uh, than you did, only because uh, there was... The the way the goals were conceded by the Whitecaps were individual mistakes more, while as they, they worked really well going forward. Like, as a team, they, they didn't uh, give up 
uh, goals. It was more individual mistakes and then from the spot. And that you nothing you could do about that, especially when you fear the keeper. No. I mean, my, my main reason for having some concern was that yeah, you're playing a really bad team. You've got a two-goal lead, but yet you give that up. And in the end, maybe they were a little bit fortunate. There was a... I don't know, there was a sending off that kind of maybe changed the game. Yeah, that they definitely... They back into it anyway. Yeah. But they were two up, seemingly coasting with the 26th minute. But we discussed a few weeks ago, it's the most dangerous lead in football. It is. Yep. Whitecaps wanted to back you guys that believed that up. And yeah. Freddie Montero, he seemingly had a, a fire lit in his belly. Got a goal. Got an assist. First goal, lovely through ball from Las Bangura. Great composure from Freddie and a cool finish. Drawing Howard off the line, slotted home. Second, good work by Freddie out wide. Perfect ball into the six-yard box. Vimuto swept it home. Good pace on the ball. He had to beat, like I think, two defenders and Tim Howard, which doesn't, at that point didn't seem very hard no. to do. Uh, but uh, Beating Tim Howard at this stage of his career doesn't seem a very hard thing. No, and, but Venuto, a fantastic job on, on making sure he got the ball down and not skided over the box, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the post, which is very easy to do. I mean, we know what Freddie's capable of. Yeah. We saw in the first half of the first half what he's capable of. And you wonder, where has it been? Did he need this mental break or for well, that read being dropped? Well, uh, it was a little bit of the video being shown. Like they, they, they took, brought, I think they brought all the strikers together, all the forwards, and kind of showed him a video to see, to make sure that they were all on the same page and maybe show what where their deficiencies were going forward. And so they were kind of on the same page when they were attacking. Because this time it seemed like, the attack was on the same page. People knew where they were supposed to be. Like the run that Venuto saw when he saw uh, Freddie get, you know, control of that line, the end line, and he made that run to go into the box, whereas before we never saw any anybody going there, no, the wingers, midfielders, anybody. No, I mean, the, the three of them played well. They linked up really well together. The thing now, especially in Freddie Montero's case, is can he keep it going? Yeah. And... You have to hope. He's, he's been a little bit streaky in his career. So you kind of hope. He's got his first goal now of the season from open play. Because yep. the other one was a penalty. He's got an assist. He had a hand in pretty much all the goals, really. Essentially, yeah, for the first four, for sure. Yeah, because the third goal of the match, a literal hand for the fourth goal, but in the third goal of the match, it was a, a striker's tackle in the box. Bit of a lazy leg, I felt. Just kind of stuck it out. Gave Colorado the penalty, or their first penalty, and Kai Kamara. It was pretty obvious he was going to score in this match. Yeah. It, I should have put money on that because I, it seemed an obvious thing. I mean, what did you think of the tackle? It, it, to me, it was lazy. Yeah, it was It was a, a tackle that uh, a striker would do in like up the field or something like that. I don't know if he forgot that he was in the box yeah. or something. It's it something that they would do there. Um, all he had to do was just kind of guide him out of the box. He was out, He was heading towards the box, I think, Acosta, right? Acosta yeah, was kind he of, was heading more out. But he was basically on the edge of the box, yeah. and he could have he could have kind of siphoned him to the line. That's what a defender would do. Yeah, and he so, knew right away, and like no no complaints and, there. And MDS wants Montero to get back and defend in the box too, yeah. so he kind of got his wish. But in the post-game show, he was mentioning that he has no problems with it uh, because he wants to see that 
Montero or any of the number nines come back and defend. Yeah. He doesn't want them just sitting out there. Uh, and they, I guess they have to do that in the system that he's playing. Mm. But then when you see the, the second penalty that was given up, everyone points fingers at Brett Levi. That's who I it. thought initially it was, yeah. yeah. But Freddie shoves him in the back. There's not really a lot Brett could do. And then he goes into the back of Axel Schoberg, who went down pretty easily for a big guy. Well, he got, well he's not that... Uh, uh, you know, fleet on his feet or whatever no. you want to call there's it. A, there was another He's not nimble. player there as well. Yes. But yeah, I mean, Freddie gave that one away. M- maybe we should tell him, look, you're the only one that doesn't have to defend. Just you stay at the pitch. <laughs> I, but the thing is, the one thing is people are like, some people are saying that, oh, Schoberg would have scored that for sure. I'm not sure about that. I don't that. think he would. Like he's, as you say, a, he's not fleet of foot. Yeah, he's not, it's not a guarantee that he, he's going to be able to get the right angle of his head onto the ball. It, it wasn't a, like, he, yeah, he, he's six seven or whatever he is but it's no guarantee that people are able are able to get their head and angle it right in the right spot right it was a definite penalty yeah given sure. by var and we'll cover var when we do our mls roundup in part four yeah, there was some bad we think the vancouver whitecaps get yeah. there are some other teams too there's been it's been a very interesting var weekend for sure yeah but colorado scored 2-2 all of a sudden they had the fire in their belly. They looked like confident. They were starting to go forward. They had a kind of spell then for about 10 minutes where they took the game to Vancouver. And they're a poor side. You, you wondered... I mean, we talked a few weeks ago that Anthony Hudson, it looked pretty certain he was he was going to go. Yeah, and then he complained about he, he didn't have the right players or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that and was the final straw. And yeah. you've called out the owner for basically saying, look, I don't have these guys that yeah. these other teams are because we're not spending money. Yeah. That's basically, I think that's, he, that he knows the writing's on the wall that he's on yeah. his way out and he just wants to throw that one last shot in there. The timing of it though was really weird because if you've got to get rid of him, you'd, you'd have thought it would have been at the weekend or the Monday after their, their last defeat to yeah. Atlanta. But no, they wait to two days before a game yeah, and then they odd. get rid of him. And Connor Casey didn't really make too many changes. All the guys that started had, at least had starting minutes, including the, the 16-year-old fullback who had made his first start the, the week before. But but you're always concerned a little bit that you get a new coach and yeah. all of a sudden everybody sparks up and well, everything. Most teams do get yeah. a bit of a bump. We didn't last no, year no. when Roma well, went. There was a little bit of a bump. Not It'd right be, away. Not right away, no. I mean, maybe Colorado will get it after this because, yeah. I mean, Casey just did have a couple of days to, to really work with him. Yeah. But the, the big turning point wasn't Hudson sacking. It came in the 77th minute. Daniel Henry... Tackles Diego Rubio, clear foul. It was a professional foul, yeah. basically, you want to call Ref it. Ref gave a free kick, but Dirty Diego, or maybe Dickhead Diego is maybe the better nickname for him, he lashes out, not once, not twice, but three times at Henry, the third of which catches him square in the face. Yeah, right in front of the ref. Yeah, the it's thing, ridiculous. I, I, the thing is, I think he thought that... Uh, he was hitting the he was hitting the back of the head by uh, yeah the Daniel's knee, the knee, knee. Him. yes but I think he and then th- Daniel kind of touched him in the chest to say hey sorry yeah he said we say sorry the first lash the, it out the, the Canadian way yeah. to say I'm sorry but he I think he thought he did it on purpose he nailed him in the head on purpose and that's why he wasn't having yeah. it yeah I mean it's so stupid he's he's not an inexperienced player yeah and your side's desperate to get at least a point just to get something from the game and you do that. Yeah. Do you think they, I don't know, maybe they do, but do you think they kind of coach up the players that they'd say, 
uh, they like DeSantos knows. He mentioned it too that he knows that Diego Rubio is a hot-headed person. Do you think you coach him up and kind of keep egging, like get Danielle to nicely egg him on, kind of thing, and get him I riled would. up? Yeah, I mean, that, that's. It seemed like it worked because he yeah. went three times trying to say he's sorry, but he got swatted away three times. Yeah, there's players that you know in leagues around the world that it doesn't take much to kind of like set them off. Danielle's one of them for us because he's quite easy a, a guy, I think, yeah, to frustrate to a little up, bit yeah. as well. And Obviously, last year, Efrain Juarez didn't take much to rile him up. And there, There's certain players that, yeah, you do poke. And if I was a coach, I'd be saying, you go, you, you poke. That's why, like, Zlatan during games, he talks to people nonstop and he tells them what he's going to do to them. And, yeah, exactly. And it's like, but yeah. he, he kind of went a little too far, too. Yeah, oh, I know. There's so much stuff happened last week that we never got a chance to yeah. talk about because we didn't get back to the mainland until about 11.30. But, yeah, Rubio did that. If, if Connor Casey had any hair left, he'd have pulled it out, I think, at that moment. Yeah. But thankfully for him, he has none. That was a chance for Colorado to push on and possibly get the winner. And who knows, that maybe kickstarts their season, gets a bit of momentum going for well, them. Well, they were pushing ahead with 10 guys too. Yeah. It wasn't even like they were holding back and trying to settle for the draw. They wanted the win. They I, mean, were I get desperate. the frustration from Rubio, yeah. but it's selfish as well. Oh, Absolutely sure. selfish. And it reignited the Caps because then they sensed a bit of blood. And they thought they'd scored in the 82nd minute, which was a lovely finish by Bangura, who, yes, was still on the pitch because he'd pretty much disappeared for most of the second half, as usual. Freddie, nearly involved in another goal, lofted the ball in. Really crap header by Keegan Rosenberry to put the ball in the path of Lass, who took a touch, beautiful finish. Ecstasy on the bench. Turning to sheer agony after that when it was ruled out by VAR. Yeah. Andy Rose was the guy that was adjudicated to have been in offside position then came back interfering in play because he ta- he went towards Rosenberry when he made the tackle. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. I think it was probably right. Yeah, but you wish it wouldn't happen to us all the time. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's. I mean, it's one of the things, but we will talk about VAR, but it's like, just let refs be refs. Yeah. The ref didn't see it. The linesman clearly didn't see it. And then it gets re- reviewed in VAR. But I like to, I like to see them have a little tighter and clear and obvious. Yeah, it, that it, seems to have gone out the window. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the, they're too chintzy on every single play, and I don't like that. I like I want like if it's a handball that was missed or an, a clear offside in the run of play that was missed. That's fine. Um, a, a red card that like something like that missed like a like if nobody had seen Rubio hit uh, Danielle in the in the face that's understandable yeah. that you do that but there is just I'm I'm not even talking about this game there were uh, especially we'll talk about it later but yeah. the Columbus game that was just wild yeah I mean, it takes a lot for me to feel sorry for Caleb Porter yeah VAR managed to do it this weekend it's like <laughs> incredible that deserves an award for that just no matter everything else. It was frustrating, but it was correct. But a good thing in the whole moment, I think, is it showed the passion of Mark de Santos. You saw his joy at the goal, running up the touchline, hugging Lass, who jumped into his arms. And then when it went to video review, it's as if he knew it was going to get called off. And then he's got his cup of Gatorade or whatever it is and just threw it down. I think it was possibly that he had ordered a cappuccino and it wasn't that. And then it's just, (laughs) oh, this is disgusting coffee. Where's Freddie when you need his coffee? But, I mean, that shows you what it means to him. 
he wants this team to win so much. He's got this intensity. And if you see the video that the Caps tweeted out at the final whistle, all the other coaches are on the bench and the final whistle goes and then they're all hugging each other. But in front of them the whole time, crouched down, is Mark DeSantos just like watching the game. I'm trying to demonstrate, which isn't good on the radio, but no. he was just so focused on the game and not giving up th- this win. I, I was, for all the aspects to be delighted, first away win, getting Freddie back scoring, getting the attack back scoring. For Mark DeSantos, I thought it was great, and that I just thought it was a great moment for him. He deserves this. For sure. But Rose, he went from sinner to saint five minutes later with the winner, took a nice touch, put it over Tim Howard, who I do feel went down a little bit too early. I think if he'd stood his ground a little bit, that play would not have been on. Yeah, it could have been stopped, but you're right. He he, he judged the shot to be low really quickly. Yeah, it's like he saw the ball coming through, just went straight for it instead of just waiting a couple of seconds. Yeah. And for an experienced keeper... That's a bit surprising. Delighted, though, for Andy Rose as well, because it was tough for him on the sidelines. It was a horrific facial injury that he got. Yeah. And and he was missing for six weeks? Yeah. Six, seven weeks or something like that? It, and in hospital for a long time in Houston as well. Yeah. So really pleased for him. End of the match came. Huge relief. Huge three points. Roller coaster emotions, as I said at the start. It's nice to bask in this victory, and we should do that. But we can't let it mask that we do have some some key deficiencies. Because we struggled in the end against what is ultimately a pretty shit side. Or is that me just being really, really harsh? I, I think you're being harsh because, like I said, the, the both goals were uh, Freddie uh, involved where he made individual mistakes. And they they really didn't concede that much. They didn't really have that much trouble from open play. Yes, they were under pressure from the team uh, trying to get its first win of the season yeah. and trying to get uh, break a I think a, a, a lengthy winless streak or at, dating back to last year probably. Uh, but you're gonna expect that sometimes, and you're playing on the road too, and you're playing in high altitude. So you can't expect them to be like uh, full 90. Yeah, I'm just but, probably being a grump. But they, they got the goals early, the two goals. They were able to, and then, and then on, for like I said, unfortunately, they had made some mistakes. And then the, did you see the second penalty as well when they, they uh, was scored? That wasn't even Crepo's fault because Tybert was pointing to the direction that he thinks Kamara was going to go. And Crepo went that way and Kamara went that way. Oh, if you oh, I see never the, saw that. So I'll watch the replay. You'll see Tybert pointing. Russell Tybert's fault. Yeah, Russell was pointing to this side. You can see him clearly oh. in the thing. That's then, one of those things that if it comes off, you look a genius. Yeah. If it doesn't, you look an absolute donkey. Yeah, so that, even that even that second one, I'm not going to blame on Crepo because... The, 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 yeah, uh, they, were, cre- they were good penalties. Yeah. Kai's only missed one penalty in his MLS career. Exactly. So if you're going to give up something like that, expect goals against. Yeah. And like I said... When, even when they were under pressure, they were they defended like a team. They didn't give up any major. Crepo, they, I don't recall making a huge save. Yeah, he well, made. No, a, that that was the thing because it's like we let them back into it, yeah. and they didn't. They didn't look good at all, Colorado. Yeah. They didn't really seem to create much. Yes, so, the, and so the defense looks dreadful. Their defense, yeah, yeah. they were like broken apart. Yeah. Right? I think they're going to definitely. Rosenberg had a poor game. I didn't think Schoberg had that good a game either. I think they're going to switch. They got to be switching to a two a four man back. They yeah, can't three do with this. I think that, that experiment's over essentially yeah. right now. Just to wrap this section up, I'll have a quick look at the good, the bad, and the ugly individually that came out of the game and just team wise as well. I mean, the good thing, obviously, Freddie back scoring. Venuto got his first. 
The attack has finally found some form. All three goals, or four, if you even want to look at the fourth one that was chopped off, they all came from open play, so that was good. Massive positive. Even the heat map yeah, the heat showed map was that we were, be, yeah. we were in the opposition yeah. box. It was as if they suddenly remembered they were allowed to go in there. Yeah. Or they turned the electrified fence off just for this game. So, I mean, that was all good. And it has to be, because Reina, out for a month. We didn't get a chance to speak to you last week about that, but we talked about it when we were coming back on the ferry, that we didn't know how long he was going to be out. It looks yeah. like it's at least for May. Yeah. Then we've got a three-week break. So, really, it's given him this extra time. Exactly. He should be back, you would hope, at the latest... 22nd, 23rd of June, whenever we play Colorado again, funnily enough. We don't know how bad Venuto's contusion is. Well, I could give you an update. I don't know if you listened to the post-game show uh, when MDS came on. He I said, didn't listen. Uh, you did or you didn't? I didn't. Oh, uh, Venuto, he said Venuto thought that he would be fine, but he wasn't sure if he was going to be 100% for the second half. And okay. that's why he was brought off. They, they believe that it's a precautionary. He, yeah, and they believe he could be ready by a Friday against Portland. Let's hope so, yeah. because I liked what the three of them did together. For sure. It's but, still worrying, though, Bangura just disappears for chunks of the game. Yeah. But at least he came back yeah. and did well in this game. He didn't but, disappear But Brett Levi's wasn't horrible, especially no. for somebody that just came on after a long... No. first and game PC's of the season. got an injury as well, which I yeah. didn't know about until I saw the, the yeah. game notes, and it's like, ooh. So we're thin on the ground at the moment, yeah. wing-wise which is something that I might want to discuss in part two. I mean, if Venuto's not okay, do you go with, with Levi's? Do you stick RDS in there? It's... I wouldn't. Uh, right now, if RDS is an issue, I wouldn't put him in. Yeah. Um, I would rather have Levi's in there. I think he Levi's in front of Adnan would be a good, uh, you know, two-summer going up for it. Maybe sends a message to RDS as well. Yeah. Maybe not. Hard to say with him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> from, from what Mark's come out and said, I think three days in a row... This week, he criticised his work ethic. Yeah. That's... That's not a good sign. That's a big thing that's bugging him to do that. I think he's right now on the top of my power list of people that aren't going to be here in the summer, yeah. after the summer. I actually wanted to, to have a chat with Mark about that training this week, but I we were I was there on Wednesday. We were having a good chat about stuff, which you can hear in the latest Extra podcast. I didn't get a chance to ask him that because... Scott Sutter, who's coming up in part two, was there and I had to go and speak to him. But another good aspect was the pass accuracy. It was a lot better all round. Lass, Tiber and Jake Norwinski led the team at 92%. Then Arisi at 88%. So that's these are where it's needing to be. That was all good. On the bad side, I think that's two... Pretty ineffectual games by Inbombwang now in a row. It's a bit concerning because he's been the guy that's made the midfield tick. Yeah. He said it was a relief. Everyone thought that was a relief from getting that first goal. But then that hasn't transferred into stronger performances. Maybe it was too much of a relief and he hasn't put as much pressure on himself because he was being told don't. But we don't really have anyone else that can come in and, and offer anything attacking. Yeah. I don't think. Well, the Orlando, the, it's been two games Orlando won that was obviously two days after he played a full 90 uh, that had to be difficult for him to, to get going and then again I, I hate to make uh, use altitude as an excuse but maybe that had a part in this game that he was told to pace himself and not go too maybe. out and out um, he was. He still looked fresh towards the end because yeah. when they launched those late, so maybe breaks, they were he just involved. Yeah, with that. maybe they were because didn't he create the the one that was called offside? Didn't he have something to do with that? The thir- the yeah, either the offside one or the proper third yeah. one. He definitely 
it's blurring into one now. And he's probably never played at altitude before. Yeah. Just guessing, but yeah. you don't know. I mean, the only other guy really that could slot in is Rose, maybe? Felipe, if he was the Felipe of old, but Felipe is not the Felipe no, of I think old. No, I, I think he still stay with him, Bob, in this I, I, case. Yeah, I think he, definitely for this Friday. On the ugly side, just to end this part, what's with all these penalties? Six now through ten games, and yeah, some of them weren't penalties. When, these two were. Yeah, these, these two, two were definitely, definitely penalties. No, yeah. Con- yeah. no concerns or arguments about these two. And even the ones that weren't, and we talked about this when they happened, the Whitecaps players are putting referees in the position to make the call. Yeah. And they just can't do it. Fridays were lazy, avoidable. I I, I don't know. I mean, it'll be something I'm sure is talked about this week at training. The media is going to ask Mark and the players about it. No one seems to have an answer. Yeah. How, how do you stop giving them up? For sure, I, it's it's got to be more controlled def, uh, defending at this point. You just can't just, just jump in there, clued in. yeah, and realize that even if you think you get away with it, you're not going to get away with it. No, and I, a concerning thing for me is we've got Portland coming up now, and watching the highlights of their game against RSL and other times recently, yeah. they are so quick at pouncing on loose balls in the box, second balls in the box, rebounds, and that's then when we might jump into a tackle and all of a sudden bring someone down so that's yeah. definitely something to watch for Friday definitely got to go over rules clarification with Freddie to let him know that if you push it even if you push your <laughs> own teammate it's still going to be called a penalty if that teammate goes into somebody else and the thing is it could be possible that the VAR never even noticed Freddie pushing uh, uh, Levi's he just saw Levi's going in because yeah. that's what we saw right yeah. so maybe he didn't even notice that Freddie yeah. was pushing that Hopefully they're more clued on when they play Portland on Friday and we're going to be talking about that game a little bit and a few other Whitecaps things after this. Hi, this is Andy Rose and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Slaves. Can you finish that sentence, please? No, I just thought I'd give you some things to start off next week's show. (laughs) That was Slaves, London band with Wake Up London from their first album. Oh, Cheer Up London, yes. I'm just trying to wake up. Yeah. From their first album, which they've got three albums out now. That's from Are You Satisfied? And Slaves are our artists of the month for me. Yay. Yay. Love them. Hopefully they come over here and play soon. It's just a two-piece band, but they make a really good racket. Oh, really? Just two pieces, oh, yeah. not bad. I didn't yeah. realize that. So kind of like the White Stripes a little. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's another... Like, I love when you see bands like that and they just have an amazing sound. Yeah. But you are back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Going to have some more Whitecaps chat in this park. Zach is en route. So, as I said, let's just bask in the enjoyment of a first away win. Because... This is going to be a really tough month for the Caps. It's a good way to start, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, you want to start with a win, because we've got seven matches in May, and some of them are pretty tough. Then we've got a three-week break for the Gold Cup. Four of those seven are at home. Four of those seven are against Western Conference opponents. Some tricky ones. We're going to be facing Atlanta, who seem to all of a sudden have found some form. Destroyed Sporting Kansas City tonight. Oh, did they? I didn't yeah. watch today's game. I, I didn't see the final score. It was 3-0 with 12 minutes to go. In Atlanta? No, in Kansas City. Ooh, Kansas City Don't is know really... what's happened at Kansas they're, City. Uh, they're dropping some games. Yeah. See, the curse of the CCL. Yeah. You're in the Champions League. Your season goes to pot, just like TFC said. Or did. And we actually have TFC coming as well at the end of the month, so that's yeah. another tough game. Got Dallas in there, New York Red Bulls away, Portland coming on Friday. So not a lot of games that you're looking at and thinking, yep, definite win there. So that's why this Colorado win was important. The transfer window closes out on May 7th, which is Tuesday. Yeah. Two days for the Whitecaps to maybe get something done. MDS has hinted that he might try and get something over the line before this window closes, which you wonder... Is he talking about bringing someone in from outside or is it going to be an inter-league transfer? Yeah. If it is inter-league... Well, he's always mentioned it's very hard to trade within the league, yeah. which a lot of people have done. Uh, we had uh, Chicago pick up uh, Calvo from Minnesota, yeah. which was surprising. There's been a lot of Gam and Tam going about yeah. this week as well in international sports. Again, Felipe's the guy that you think is the guy that if we're going to do a trade, he might they might trade him to clear a spot on the roster. But you, if you're going to bring an international player, you, they do have one extra right yeah. international player right now open. Uh, but they could always deal another person, yeah, in order to clear some spaces. Joaquin, I, a detective. I, I think I think Joaquin anything. will be in the summertime, and they'll just uh, let um, basically. Um, Cancel the rest of the loan or something like that. Unless he has a complete attitude shift. Yeah. And this is the time for him to show what he's got because you've got Reina out and possibly Venuto as well. Yeah. I, I feel if they do make a move in this transfer window, it could be in the midfield bit or it could possibly be to bring in a winger because I think that's that's the, the two big things. One thing that we, we know is Portland are going to be bringing somebody in. So next up are Portland... They followed five straight losses with three straight wins. They've only got one defeat in, or we've only got one defeat in five now. That came off a, a lucky deflected goal. Do you feel heading into Friday's match? Do you have hope? Do you have anticipation, or do you have a little bit of trepidation? I I th- I think we I think there is hope. I I don't have no. I'm not like hopeful. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think it's a guarantee. But I think there are signs out there that they are turning it around. I think Portland is still struggling. They're not fully there yet. Um, so I, I think there is a chance that they could pull off a win here. I don't see a, uh, I don't see it as, a, as a being, I don't have any trepidation. I'll say that. I, I'm completely on the side of that they can, they are able to accomplish anything based on they beat the best team. Yes, they beat the worst team yeah. as well, but they beat the best team as well. And we drew with Philly, and who's they, the best in the East. East so. And they haven't had a game where they've I don't think they've been completely blown out. Yeah, no. LA Galaxy was, a, they were... They were in that. They were in that for most of the yeah. game. We only beat the best, we only beat the worst. Yeah. That's their, their new marketing slogan. Don't bother coming for anything in between. We're not going to break the timbers or the, the game down too much, because we'll leave that for, the, for Joe and the gang in the preview podcast, but Portland are that prime example of you just have to string a few wins together in this league and you significantly rise up the table. Yeah. They're now a point of the playoff spots. 
somehow we're only two. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like a, a one win, and we're only two points yeah. off. So it was, it was that's Folk all it takes. Dropping like points left, right, and center. Yeah. Now we didn't build when we beat LAFC. We didn't build in that win. Yeah. We've got to build in this. And MDS referenced that himself after the match. There's no point winning the odd game here and there. You need consistency. You need to go on a run. Colorado last year they had a pretty crappy start, as in this year. Then they got a win and they beat us on on Canada Day, and you thought, oh, maybe they're going to kind of start to go on a run. But then they didn't. We don't want to be like Colorado. We don't want to be the team that wins a game and then doesn't get a win for another couple of games and yeah. then wins a game and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's, that's, that's essentially one, why Colorado is one of the worst teams yeah. because they do that. I, I worry, though, that a Cascadian derby is coming at the worst possible time for us as we didn't exactly raise our game against Seattle and, if anything, we kind of dragged them kind of down to our level at that point. Which sometimes, but sometimes you got to do yeah. that. And they, and I would then, take nil nil and, though on Friday. I've got to say. But remember, against Seattle, they could they almost won that game at the end. Or if it wasn't for a great save by Stephen Fry, yeah, they they almost pulled it off by, and they shut out the uh, the one of the best teams at that point in the league, one of the highest scoring. So they are able to do things against better opponents. Portland's played one less game than us. They've scored three more goals, but they've conceded seven more. So it's a defence that seems fully exploitable. Yeah. They haven't kept a clean sheet all season. We've got two clean sheets. You've got to feel that we've got the players that can take advantage of this defence. So, I mean, how do you line up for it? Is it, if Venuto's good to go, no change from this team? I, I would say if Venuto's good to go, yes, I would I would keep it very minimal changes, maybe cosmetic. If Venuto's not able to go, then I would even consider maybe a three-man back because then you don't have to worry about the wingers and you can mm-hmm. have more in the midfield and maybe a second striker. Maybe put Lass with Freddie Montero up top and see what they can do up there. That'd be interesting. Yeah, and then and then that way you have uh, either Jake or Scott Sutter on the right side and you got um, you got Adnan and he'd be able to push up maybe one more. For, for all the... The frailties in the Portland defence. Their attack in their midfield is looking as strong as always. Oh, for sure. Jeremy Ibobisi is the man in form for Portland with four goals in the year, two in his last three. Diego Valeri is being Diego Valeri. Six assists, two goals. And that's probably slow, a uh, slow start for him. <laughs> Sebastian Blanco is looking good right now. Two goals and four assists. Nice goal at the weekend. Those last two in particular, Valeri and Blanco, you feel that that's maybe the, the keys... To stop in Portland is stopping those two guys. Stop them producing and we have a chance. Yeah. But like I said as well, getting to the second balls and the rebound looks like another key focus without jumping in and giving up penalties. And there might even be a new Portland player. The rumours coming out today are that Portland's going to be buying Argentine striker Brian Fernandez from Liga MX side Nicatza. Second leading scorer in, in the league this year. The fee is rumoured to be possibly over £10 million which is a nice bit of business for the Mexican team because they play, paid less than a million for him less than a year ago, which is, like, insane. That's what I'm thinking. Of. Like Whenever somebody um, has the one-year, like, breakout year, I'm always nervous about spending that much money. The, yeah. like, Portland must know what they're doing yeah, in this case. Yeah, it's going to set a, a club transfer record and be one of the highest transfer fees paid in MLS as well. Because then they uh, uh, also uh, they signed the Valeri, which was good, but they also signed guys uh, like Milano. And they, yeah, that so, person some of the guys out. they've brought in definitely haven't worked. 
But Fernandes is expected to be announced on Monday and be eligible for Friday's game, so that's going to be an unknown quantity. Even if he's good to go, I don't think we'll see him starting, but we could see him coming off the bench. So, quick predictions for this one. I'll go 2-1 Vancouver. I am going to go 1-0 Portland. I'm going to be pessimistic. Yeah, it might work out. I don't see any defensive changes for this one, unless maybe if they do go three at the back and they want to have the, the attacking wing backs, they might bring Scott Sutter back in. Which would be good, because I got a chance to, to catch up with Scott at training this week. Not to talk about Whitecaps, though, because interesting fact about Scott Sutter, when he was in Switzerland playing with young boys, he... The team, young boys. The team. He was on the team with Michael Silberbauer, Pacific FC head coach, and Josh Simpson, Pacific FC owner. And last weekend, he was on the same ferry as us, going over and back to the island to see Pacific FC's home opener. So I got a chance to, to chat with him about that, the relationship he's got with those two guys, the CPL, and whether coaching is in his plans down the road. So, Scott, you're over in Victoria at the weekend for the Pacific FC game. First of all, how, how did you find that the whole experience and just the quality and just the the game day altogether? Yeah, it was a, it was a fantastic uh, fantastic day out. Really, you know, I mean, it, the weather was like it was today. It was perfect weather, blue skies, uh, not a breath of wind, and and uh, and a great atmosphere. I think they sold sold out at, at six thousand or whatever it was. So it was a great atmosphere. Um, and it was great to be a part of uh, part of their history, so it was nice. And you go back with Michael Silverberg, the head coach, and also with Josh Simpson, the owner as well. Is it not? It's kind of weird that like you've got three guys that were together at Young Boys, <laughs> and then you're kind of making an impact here on on football here in BC. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's really funny how that's how that's worked out. Um, Obviously, it's great for Michael. I mean, Michael's one of my one of my best friends. Um, we grew really close when we played together in in Switzerland. The three of us were close. You know, our families were close. Uh, we always hung out together. Always. Uh uh, around each other's places, doing barbecues and whatnot, and uh, and then Mike. It's great for Michael that he got his first head coaching job yeah. here, and and obviously Josh uh, bringing a club with uh, with Rob Friend and and a few others to um, to Victoria. It's um, it's great, and and you know it just worked out that I made the move here as well. <laughs> so it worked out for all of us, and it's really nice when we first you know first went over to the island a couple of months ago, uh, and all got to hang out together for the first time in in a couple of years. So it was it was really nice. When you played with Michael and you said obviously you're quite close and you've known him for a while, was coaching something that he always wanted to do? Had he indicated to you that that's what he was going to go into? Um, not when we were necessarily playing together, but he's, he was always a very intelligent player and he always kind of, um, you know, we, we spoke about, about football a lot, um, analysed games a lot, analysed training sessions a lot. We kind of both enjoyed that and, and you could see that he had a good eye for it. Um, obviously tons of experience, uh, many games for the, for the national team. Um, so you could see that that was kind of kind of his avenue, and and his his career came to an earlier stop than I think he probably would have uh, anticipated. Um, so it kind of gave him the perfect opportunity to go that route into coaching, and uh, and yeah, really excited for him, and and look forward to seeing how he progresses. When you see what the two of them have done here with Pacific, does it make you think about what you want to do when you stop playing? I know you're still young; you've got a lot of years still to go, but. <laughs> Have you thought about getting into coaching yourself? Is that something? Yeah, that that's, that's definitely something uh, something that interests me. Um, I'm over, you know, at the club here. 
Uh, I'm, I'm good friends and close with, with Andy Rose, who's uh, in the process of doing his coaching badges. I started a while back in Switzerland as well. Um, on, I did my C licence. I'm looking to do the start the B sometime soon. And it's something that I definitely am interested in. I enjoy it. I enjoy kind of the... Uh, the tactical aspects and the the man management uh, that that coach has to do, more of a you're more of a, a, psych, a psychologist nowadays than you know uh, dealing with yeah. uh, 25 Rob different personalities, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. So that definitely interests me. It's something that I think is is great for for active players to to do, and it's it's great to have that kind of in your backpack if you need it or not down the line. Who knows? You know, you might have something and might, uh, something else might open mm-hmm. up. But um, it's definitely something that I can see myself going into. Does it make you approach the game a little bit different when you're going through these coaches? Do you kind of view it does. It differently? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, when I first did my coaching, my, my C licence, um, you know, we, we, we learnt things. Uh, it was a week's course and we learnt things that, that you know, why, why do coaches do certain things? Why do they do certain exercises, certain drills? And, and when, you know, after that, when I went back into training, you know, I kind of looked at it a different way and, and, uh, and kind of... Uh, gave the coaches a bit of a, a bit of a break I didn't moan as much then when I knew when I knew they were doing things for certain reasons so it's definitely you definitely look at it from a different angle that's awesome thanks so much and no, cheers thanks a lot thanks, Scott. have a good day the weather. Scott Sutter there he really enjoyed that that Pacific game last weekend, and I, it's interesting hearing him talking there about now that he's starting to do coach and he's kind of looking at the game a little bit differently and n- not giving managers as big a headache because he's kind of seen what they're going through. But we are joined now by someone else that was at the Pacific game last week, Zachary Adam Meisenheimer. Hello. <laughs> so CPL, we're two weeks in, six matches now in the books. No goalless matches. That's good to know. Lots of attacking play, lots of shots. A lot of mistakes. Yeah. Defensively. Lots of flying elbows and hard tackles because that's what they want. A lot of lot of defensive mistakes, but I don't believe any club's given up two penalties in a game, have they? No, not no. really. Who not would right. do that? Who would do that? Exactly. <laughs> We've seen a wide variety of wild weather as well. Typical Canadian. Oh, uh, one more thing. No goals called back. Oh, yes. Oh, no yes. VAR. No, no VAR. VAR. That is so refreshing. <laughs> Glorious sunshine in Victoria when we were there. Snow in Calgary yesterday. Rain and cold in Hamilton and Halifax. In terms of quality on the pitch and just the overall product, I don't like using that phrase, but product, what's your taking it all so far? Oh, can I, uh, yeah, I, I, I have no issues with it because everybody's kind of at the same level. There's nobody, there's no like real player dominating or no team dominating. Everything seems equal. Definitely. When folks talk about MLS party, this league's party. Yeah, and I like, kind of like that because you don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes some player uh, uh, rises up. There's another player another time. So it's kind of – right now, everybody's on equal footing. And we'll see who emerges from that, but it's exciting to see who's going to emerge well, from that. Well, uh, yeah, it, it, does, it does feel a little bit of parity. But I think like from Pacific perspective, it felt really bad for them having – the game, yeah, second game, three or, days later, yeah. You, yeah. Had a, you had a guy, you had one of the center backs suspended. Yeah. You had the other goal scoring, match winning center back injured. Yeah, because yeah. when I spoke to him after the game last week, he, I don't even think I mentioned this. Cause I didn't think anything of it. He, he was iced. Yeah, well, his foot was in yeah. a big bag of ice. Yeah, yeah, I saw it too. But I, I just thought that's what footballers are like. But yeah, I mean, it's it's like the Whitecaps defending in their box. It's unpredictable. Anything can happen. 
production values off the pitch. I don't like seeing Kurt Larson. I was going to say on the preview show, but just anywhere. Yeah. It just still irritates me. And, and I, I won't be working for CPL anytime soon. And well, the feedback I've heard from people who maybe are more neutral than I am when it comes to him uh, think that the uh, television is not his medium. No, yeah. for sure, because he, he seems <laughs> no writing. Yeah, uh, writing only. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing is, is why does uh, the one? I, well, I do like the production of the game itself, but why does one soccer only tweet out the celebrations of the goals? Yeah, it's bizarre. But but we do get the the tweets of from other like maybe uh, yeah the clubs sometimes are putting but sometimes one soccer is putting the actual goals as well yeah because like here's the goal someone scored and then you watch it and you're like I said the guy celebrating yeah. well I think I, that's because they want you to buy their service I still think you should do it in order to, to get, get the excitement to, yeah you have to show yeah. something I, the way that they're cutting their highlights packages because I watched the three games this morning on YouTube it's like Blair Witch yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's like me cutting my VMSL hi- highlights. And I'm standing there with a point and click camera. You have some great VMSL highlights on YouTube. I zoom in too close. I don't realize that at the time. I'm thinking, yeah, we're getting close, and then it is, that is like Blair Witch because you're like, whoa! I'm, it's like a virtual reality of being with a player. There's a, there's at least one or two listeners who are googling Blair Witch right now. <laughs> oh yeah, probably. Jeez, we are old. I mean, the media side as well is a little bit poor for what I've been looking for in terms of trying to get the actual team lineups and substitutions in a proper match report thing is difficult. Yeah. I know this is just me sounding whiny and it's like first world problems. Some of the camera angles aren't great, but some of it's dictated like at Pacific's ground, they can't get the camera any higher because of the hydro pole. And the stats and just the, the website in general I've not finding user friendly. It's 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 growing pains. This is like yeah. we said, this is the um, they, they, uh, this is like a almost like a soft opening, like we talked yeah. about like a week, month ago. This almost seems like a soft opening this season, and next season I think they'll get things going. But I even think they'll start improving as the season goes oh, yeah, on. Yeah, because there'll be feedback, and yeah. I know I'm being whiny. And it's a soft opening, but it, like we've said before, it's one they can't get wrong. No, no you well, have to make a good they are going to make mistakes. I, 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 I accept that they're going to make mistakes. I'm hoping that other people that watch this and are consuming this understand there's going to be mistakes yeah. in a first season. There's not Nothing goes perfectly for anybody. I, when they I don't want to harp on about this because I have mentioned it before, but the ga- more games need to be on TV. There needs to be a game of the week. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's going to be. Because... No, no. There's was there a game this weekend? Yeah, it was on it was CBC. On, it was on Gem. It was on their apps. It was oh, on this free CBC. Yeah. See that, that, Which I can't get on my LG TV downstairs because it's not compatible with You have that. a downstairs? Oh. You've been to his house. I've never been in the basement. No, it's downstairs, his main floor, he means. Oh, sorry. I've been in there. Oh, sorry, yeah. I've never taken you upstairs yet. No, that's... showing you my special room. Yeah, no, that's... I'm thankful for that. So, uh, um, you can't watch it in there? No, it's not compatible on L. You can stream it from your phone or something, but I don't like doing that. Chromecast. So, I've been watching it on my Toshiba one upstairs, which is compatible because it's a fire... Oh, okay. ...fire thing. So, there's that aspect of it. There's a fire upstairs? A fire And also... I watched the first half, then I had to go and take Bailey to the vets, and I came back thinking, oh, I'll just watch the second half. Not there. Oh, on the CBC one? Yeah, and yeah. It, it disappears. If you don't watch it live, you haven't got the chance to see it. Yeah, that's because one it's soccer. on demand on yeah. one, one soccer. Yeah. And I don't think people are going to pay that money. The general fan, like folk like us that love it, might, but the general fan that you're trying to get interested in, it's not. Season ticket holder prices... Uh 
fifty bucks for yeah. the year. And they're already, but they're already they're season ticket holders. They're already engaged in the product. No, no, and that's no, that's it's a, the other that's folk. A, that's a totally fair criticism. And you look at the attendance for Pacific midweek. Was like two thousand three hundred? Yeah. You'd lost about three thousand fans. But you expect that when? Oh yeah, totally expect when it. When a midweek game because they've got a lowish season ticket base of I think about twelve hundred yeah. was one of the figures I was getting bandied about. It's an eight o'clock start midweek, which I think is insane yeah. on a school night when the school's still in. And there was issues in Calgary yesterday. People were stuck in traffic for oh, over an yeah. hour getting uh, yeah. to the game. I heard from people blamed it a bit on construction, but that's that's not there, great. There was people who apparently didn't get their seats till second half. Yeah, some folk just turned around as well and went home because they thought that I'm not even going to get there. There's no no point. Is is that what happened in Colorado too? I think <laughs> it might be. I think yeah. that's what's happened all around MLS yeah. this season. Because I think there was just the, the Colorado game, I was watching it. I was going, I'm wondering where is this game? And then I, luckily I saw the seats and it said Colorado in the so back. When I when I visited Spruce Meadows last June, yeah, I was going to ask you, did you find that easy to get to? Well, because I didn't know the the whole horse jumping setup but actually i went in the wrong side of it it's kind of like a big like two there's a street mm-hmm. on either side or an entrance on either side so i went on let's say i went on the east entrance and that was the wrong one i sold to turn around so i went back to around uh and you have to go on the west kind of entrance if that's that's probably not the right term for it but whatever yeah. um but but well, even then gone to the show jumping events have said they've never seen anything, anything like this but yeah. that's partly a good, it's a good thing with a bad thing, right? Like, yeah. it's good that there's so many people going. Yeah. But it's bad because, yeah, it was crazy. But the eventually support, it got full. Somewhat yeah. full, yeah. The supporters, got, up. the supporters bus actually got dropped off on that east I side. Saw that that. They had to walk. They had to walk with all their stuff across. Through the mud and through But they said that was bad conditions. They said it was better than having, they might have not made it if they yeah. had been stuck better in that missing the game. But when I was there, there was construction already going on in that area. So mm. hopefully it, gets cleared up soonish I mean I thought the empty seats were because of the ticket pricing at one point because Calgary yep. have been heavily <clears throat> criticised for a quarter of their ticket prices three of the sections three of the sides seem not bad yeah. but the the side that's facing the camera a- not so much again a guy from Calgary showed me the picture of the seating seats available and you can see the section where the seats are like over, like, they yeah. feel overpriced I, that's, that's understandable maybe they sold out for that game though I'm not sure um, so which teams have impressed you guys so far? C- Cavalry did look good. Yeah. No one's totally like standing out. Yeah. There's not even. I thought Edmonton was not bad. Oh yeah, yeah, Winnipeg. actually, yeah. They, 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 they seem very organized. Good, good, good post match celebration. Yeah. And Valor looked fairly good against Pacific, but Pacific had their chances. They should have been out of sight in that yeah. one in the midweek game, and that was another thing I didn't really like. You've got Valor playing her historic first match, and it's a oh, midweek game. Yes, yeah. I mean, fair enough. Being on the road, some teams have to be on they, the road for their first match. They're gonna have mid-week. to. They're gonna have to. Well, they're, yeah. They're, they should have held off on the that second game um, for the weekend. Yeah, I understand they had to get a second game in for Pacific because somebody's gonna sit out because it's a seven-team season. Yeah. It's yeah, a league. I have heard from people for, at Pacific that they like had no choice. Like, yeah, they, of course they, they didn't. They didn't oh, want right. this game on the Wednesday at all. They, it, my understanding is they had no choice. I, I don't know if it's scheduling the stadium, the league, whatever. The, my, my concern about what they drew and Whitecaps struggled midweek to to draw. Oh, yeah. But this was a midweek game after a home opener that everyone that we spoke to loved it and said oh, we want to come back. And if you can't get more than that when you've 
you, when you're riding that crest of emotion. But that tells you it's because it's a midweek game, eight o'clock, like you said. It's cool, it's, yeah. It's not. They've got a few midweek already, games. That's the, the thing. They're already behind eight ball when you have um, the the game is the, the sorry the, the the location of the stadium is far away from your downtown Victoria, where it's densely populated, other parts. So it, it's gonna it, you're gonna have to really work on getting people there at a certain time. Maybe you have a 7 yeah. o'clock start. I don't know why they had an 8 o'clock start. But they, they have a, a bunch reason. throughout the season. Yeah. Right? yeah. Eight o'clock. Yeah, it doesn't make sense why it's an 8 o'clock start. I don't also, if anyone wants to come over from the mainland for it, you're, yeah. not, yes. you're not getting back. I was going to say that. The, part of the drop, literally, yeah. was It's from, a long way from the ferry to the stadium. How many people do you think came from the ferry? Well, as long oh. as you have GP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We thought we were going the wrong way when we got off the ferry because yeah. we were on this road that all of a sudden said, Nymo North. And we're like, surely we should be going south. But you turned back on yourself. Oh, but yeah, it was sure. bizarre. Everyone everyone had a great GPS that they could use to yeah. figure <laughs> But it's been good. It's been great. And yeah, we've learned some criticism about that. And you shouldn't be afraid to criticise them, to hold them accountable and to make them better. And they are all ears. They want to be better. And they're listening to suggestions. Yeah. One thing, though... And just to wrap this up that I didn't like they've got a disco panel which understandable that's not what I'm not liking they announced yeah. on the pre-game show before the Halifax game that the disco panel are looking at Kyle Becker's elbow from week one they're looking at it and they might have a decision this week he played against Halifax yeah. you cannot have a disco panel and not review it before the next game. I, what if he'd scored? I, know, I don't disagree with you. It's I, I, In one way, it's nice that they lost the match. So yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I now hate Forge because of Kyle Becker. Yeah, that's... hey. I thought, and all the favouritism they've been getting yeah, from other things. and the orange kit. And, you know, there's lots of reasons. Um, no, I, I honestly, I think what's happening with that is I think originally they're like, okay, we'll just kind of like let it go. And I think there's been pushback. It's Canadian tough play. Yeah, there some of those. I, I listened to your interview, and I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's not the greatest." You, like someone's gonna get hurt, and then you're gonna be like, "Oh, that's." There were some robust tackles this weekend as yes. well. So no, I think I think I think this. Oh, we're looking we're looking at this further is a bit of a a bit of a response to people are thinking like this guy can't get away from it just because within the league he's a fairly high profile yeah. individual. Yeah. And and he's from Forge. <laughs> but it's been great to have it. I've enjoyed watching the games. The supporters groups have been tremendous throughout the league. And it, there's still another two teams still to have their home openers. So all good so far. Really looking forward to it. And I can't wait till they start getting in action in the, the Voyager's Cup as well. Yeah. One thing I'd like to see, uh, we're talking about the media thing and the, and the showing the games. I'd like to see them show the games locally, at least locally on TV. Like you oh, get, right. yeah. you get the local. Or have a radio deal even no, as well. Yeah, would be nice oh, just to listen. And you could do that on uh, on internet if you want. You don't even have Mixler. to have a. You know, we can uh, go and do a Mixler radio thing. No, but even have get like a, on, the, on the local global station, you have and you put one soccer on there. You 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 produce it from one soccer. You have the one soccer symbol up there, and then you could advertise one soccer mm-hmm. for people that want to sign up when they go out of town. Yeah. So you don't put the away games on on locally, but at least the home games are on. I locally guess they don't on. want that either because they want folk to go. To but the you games. gotta advertise and show people yeah. how the games are. It's early. Like the Lions had a blackout for years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, Maybe it, show it, the away games then. Yeah, the away games. Yeah, would make, actually, that would make a lot more sense. That would make sense. But then for that the, eats into one soccer's 
It does thing as well. They, they, I think. But yeah, I'd like to see that. They, they are coming along at a time where this whole streaming of football is at its pinnacle or at a very high point, and I think they feel like enough people can. Uh, we'll, we'll get on board with the whole one soccer thing. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. But that is it for this part. We will be back in part three. We will be taking the mood down a little bit and talking about white cap scandals. <laughs> Great choice of song, Steve. Yeah, it kind of. I thought it was appropriate. <laughs> yes. Ah, crystal balls. If only you had them back in two thousand and eight. If only you had them, you'd be the king. <laughs> <laughs> if only you had balls. Sorry. You're Sorry. back listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio one hundred one point nine FM. Forget a crystal ball. You just needed common sense back in two thousand eight. <laughs> yeah, because this part. We're going to be looking at the ever-continuing and seemingly never-ending growing set of scandals that are surrounding Vancouver Whitecaps. Are you going to play your other songs, Steve? <laughs> Which other ones? The Flash Five. Oh. <laughs> no top yeah, five but we thought about doing a Flash Five of uh, Whitecaps scandals, but just narrowing it down to five was proving <laughs> a little bit tough, I find. Oh, and we man. shouldn't I know we're making light yeah, of it. It's, yeah. it's not it's a joking it's matter, it's but very sad. it's got to the stage it's that... It's tragic. It's it's comical at times of, of just how mismanaged so much of this has been. So, last week, because we didn't have a proper show and we didn't really want to sit on a ferry with kids running about us talking yeah. about sex abuse and racism scandals, didn't think it was appropriate. But So we thought we'd dedicate this whole part to just talking about recent events and we've talked about it before in the headlines section, but we wanted to give it a more prominent feature this week. So the women's abuse scandal, first of all, it's continuing to get coverage worldwide. Two weeks ago, you had rape crisis centres tweeting at the White Caps from Ireland, which I think Russell Beresford retweeted that going, when you have rape crisis centres tweeting at you, you've kind of lost the message. Yep. Yeah. This week, though, the White Caps issued an apology of sorts in an open letter to the community, this time signed by two owners, Greg Carefoot. And Mallet. They're the two, I would say, biggest stakeholders. Yeah, though they definitely are. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Kerfoot owns 70% and Mallet's 26%. Yeah, that's so that's changed over the years. Yeah, that, that they're, yeah they're, they're the uh, far majority of the owners. Yeah. You yeah. would have thought all the owners would maybe have signed it. Steve Nash being so high profile, his name on it maybe carries a little bit more gravitas. Maybe he wanted Do you think you, yeah. Yeah, I... I I'm not saying he would have wanted his name on something like that, especially because he wasn't even involved with the club back then. Yeah, I, in anything apart from his the, the problem. And his the problem with these, the, the, everything they've done is basically they've been one step behind every time, 
It looks like they're reacting, yeah, as opposed to being proactive. Okay, so and they're not catching up at all because they're just like way behind from the first step. Partly it's because of their approach to it all. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah. uh, this. uh, So I didn't go to the. I forget the date now, but uh, the supporter meeting that happened with the Mallet and the executive team. Yeah, last Saturday, just just before the the Philly game. Right. So May third or May fourth or May no. Before that. April 27th. 7th, yeah, that's it. So I didn't go to that, but people from Curver Collective went. um, And this is one of the things, along with the South Side, and there was Rain City Brigade was represented as well. And this is one of the things they said. You need to put something out and someone with substance needs to sign it. And Mallet was there, and he's like, they admitted. They're like, yeah, we got that wrong. They're like, okay, well, you do it right now. And they're like, no. And that, that that whole meeting was just all that they wanted was they, they they basically said we just want you to stop the walkout because it's putting too much pressure on us. So they were like, help us out. We're trying to get things done behind the scenes, but we're having to. T- One person in the meeting even said, the, having to deal with the walkout stuff is taking away from dealing with the work we're doing behind the scenes. And then someone else corrected that person and said, no. We are we are still working on the stuff behind the scenes, regardless of what comes of the walkout. But we want you to not do the walkout. And the, the the walkout it got some mixed reactions. But from speaking to some of the the media people there, they said if nothing else, he said we're all covering it. Yeah. So it's keeping this in the forefront. Yeah. So people might think it's not the right thing to do, or you've given them the money. Why walk out yeah. after giving them the money? Which is where I kind of stand as but, well but, but, the thing but that's that, their choice that's their money to, yeah. get, to, to do whatever they want here's the it. one thing that you've given the, like, whether if you paid all up front for your season ticket you've given the money yeah. if you're playing on a lot of choice if you're paying on a plan you've already given them money yeah. for these games if you cancel now this is what will happen if you cancel right now if you call up said hey I don't like how you're handling this whatever I'm canceling my season ticket right now they will resell your ticket, Michael. So they will make the money you gave them for your ticket, and they will sell it again. Do you get your money back? No, you, you don't get any money back. Oh. It's in their thing. You you stop if you you cancel. You don't pay any more, but you don't get. I'm not sure if you stop mm. going to matches right now or when it would go up. But you you there's a there's a potential there for them to make double on a ticket. Well, Kara issued a Kara McCormick issued a tweet. After the White Cap statement this week, saying no sincerity, no accountability, and many, many unanswered questions remain. She followed that up with another blog post clarifying some timelines, which is, I know, an aspect that some people within the White Caps that I've talked to about this, they've questioned her accuracy and the, the timelines she had. Do they have the receipts? She has all the emails, which is a good thing. So she's yeah. clarified that. And it, we're talking about something that happened over 10 years ago. So some exact dates are going to possibly oh, sure. get muddled. It's so like you can't you, We can't remember that. stuff that happened last week. What, what was your thought in the statement as a standalone thing? If this statement had been there maybe a month and a half ago or two months ago, then it would have been fine. The fact that it is so far off right now and they were just it, it, the thing for me. It was it was like they were trying to just curry favor from everybody and just trying to. Uh, I, I don't know, but it, it was. I don't know if it was totally insincere, but it just seemed like they were just react, like you said, reacting before. Um, they were just reacting to everything that's going on. They just tried to. They're trying to cut everything off at the pass. So for those who've had to deal with the white caps in any kind of on a level, the, no one is surprised by how they're dealing with this because it, it, reactionary is a good word, Steve. That's how one of the ways they operate. 
they only react to stuff. They're not super proactive. Uh, sorry, they're proactive on some things. But when it comes to dealing with issues or potential issues, they're only reactive. They don't do a lot of getting ahead of things. Yeah. They only react to them. So how their approach to this, for any, again, anyone who's dealt with them in, in some of these, uh, you know, supporter matters, for example, no one is surprised by any of this. And I, I will say they are limited in what they can say and that if they come out and admit they did it wrong, they leave themselves open for whatever. But but they've done this before with, again, these are smaller, insignificant, non-life-changing yeah. things. But when you sit in meetings with these people and they say, hey, yeah, you guys, you can't use smoke uh, in the stadium MLS. As MLS doesn't allow it. They won't let you do it, blah, blah, blah. It's MLS's fault. Or no, the stadium. The stadium or MLS. They, I think this is stadium. Yeah, what, whatever. They go back and back and forth. And then... Two years later, they come to you and say, "It was us. We didn't want you to do smoke. That's why you. That's why we never pursued it. Because like, they had to start be, doing because, smoke. Be, yeah, no. Be, oh, this is way before that. I know. But, yeah. but like when, when they when they do that with something that's so small and insignificant, how can you expect them to handle something so big and so large yeah. in a in a in a in a in a better way? Like Kara's statement about the statement. It's led to some people online and some of the forums on Twitter, Facebook, questioning just what is going to be good enough for yeah. her to accept and what exactly does she and the girls want? Well, she's mentioned it now before. Like before, like at first, um, uh, they were they were just wanted things to... Well, number one, they wanted... They couldn't... The reason why this all came out because the coach that they thought was never going to be coaching women, girls again... Was coaching girls again? That's why this all came out in the first place. Because they weren't they weren't looking to uh, make a big deal out of this. But then somebody finds out that this guy's coaching women again, and or a young girls. Age group as well. Yeah, so that's number one. Then they were they just wanted to see changes. Kara uh, mentioned that she wanted to see changes overall in national sports organizations. So there's a third party who investigates, not the sports organizations that investigate themselves or the teams. A third party. So anytime this thing comes up. Third party takes over, or it's like she said in the in one interview, she said the police are immediately notified of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And now she has changed her, uh, she's kind of moved the, the what do you call the, the posts or whatever like that, because it looks a lot worse every time. The yeah. whole, remember uh, Karen Larson's uh, tweet, yeah. the series of tweets about what the almonds person was saying that she was just told to investigate. She was not, even though they had said, the ombudsman person suggested that he never coach again or something like that. But she said she wasn't supposed to give. So there's like yeah. new I'm, information. Yeah. It's like they're the, questioning her timeline. The stuff they're saying yeah. and is always being uh, sec- uh, questioned or whatever by people that are in the know. Well, the women in, involved have also said they want to see the ombudsperson's report. And exactly. they haven't seen that. Yeah. So, I mean, who has seen it and who hasn't? That's a great question. Yes. Some people that you might think have seen it probably haven't. I think so, uh, possibly the paper shredding company might have seen it. <laughs> um, oh man, yeah, um, the, yeah. The, how they how they've handled it has just been just so poor. And it, it, the the one thing about the some people have used the term Steve, like you did. The the goalposts are moving on this. Uh, in, in some sense, it, they have yes, I think, and I, again, I think it's in, in response to more information and more understanding. And I think as more information comes out, you might see you might see people's what they expect to happen change also. Yeah. N- nothing but, that's coming out 
makes it anything better for the white caps. No. That's the problem. No. Um, the one, the one thing about because that, they though, mishandled it so badly mm, back in 2008. In, in terms of what they want, if you look at the Kerber Collective expression of support, if you look at what the white, uh, what the South Side said, after both groups, after talking directly to these people, to these players, that's what they, that's the one. There's like three things in there. One is, yeah, they want to see the report, they want to see the stuff changed. Um, and I think you said the third one earlier, but that that stuff hasn't changed, Steve. The one thing that, ha- as people have asked her, asked her uh, Kiara on Twitter more, is does she think someone should lose their job over this? And it seems yeah. more and more she her feeling again because of as more and more, more stuff comes out, yeah, yeah, more and more stuff's happening. I think she's expressed. I think that it's she feels it's hard for someone to keep their job after yeah. all of. She's wanting things. accountability. Accountability. The women are wanting yeah. accountability totally. and the vast majority of the community that's backing her are wanting some level of accountability. I, I don't know how much, if anything, you can share from that meeting that's maybe not out in the public realm. No, I'm putting you in the spot. Yeah, I don't know. Um, here's the bad thing. I, I this is, The last week of my life has been kind of crazy, so I'm not up to date on what is or is not out in the public realm. And again, like I've said before on the yeah. show, I'm not the point person for Curver Collective yep. on this because, because uh, like I've said before, I've made my feelings known about about the not about the the people. I have no problem with the the people, but in terms of their approach and how they've chosen to run this football club, it's not uh, the best way in my in my opinion. Ha- their management, basically, totally or mismanagement. Again, no, again, nothing against them personally, but so but because I'm I've been well on the record. And I've told them, told them this in meetings. I, I don't want to. I don't want to be involved in what's happening with this because I don't want to be seen as like using this to get something I've already publicly yeah, said, I, yeah. said I want. So we have other people who are handling Scott Monroe, uh, Sam Liu. We have other people from Curve Collective who are Emma Emma Mass. We have these people. Will Silver is in, a little bit involved. So there's other people who are who are doing this. So I'm probably not the best person to talk about that. But the one thing that I did share there is that, yeah, the, there was a lot of. The, uh, there was a lot of things where they, there was things that they said in the meeting. They were at the beginning of the meeting. They said they were going to do, and at the end of the meeting, they they it kind of ended abruptly, and they didn't want to do. I, and I'm right in saying it was quite a terse ending. Uh, that would be a good way to describe yeah. it. So we'll see what comes out moving forward, which we'll come to a little bit in this section as well. But last week, the the women's abuse scandal, and then the residency abuse one from 2017, I think it was. They were joined with news coming out. The residency coach, Brett Adams, had been found guilty of racial abuse whilst a youth coach with Notts County in England. And a bit of background to the timelines, Martin McMahon put that story out on uh, 11.30 News Radio. He was found... The incidents happened, I think, 2012, 2013. He was only found guilty by the FA in 2015, which on its own, is ridiculous for an investigation to, to wait that long. And my understanding is that by the time it had got to that, Brett Adams, he didn't have any money to, to fight it or appeal or anything like that, so he just let the cards fall. Well, didn't he fell. Deny, deny it at first? Yeah. But to keep going through appeals and stuff, it costs money. Okay. So he just he let the the cards fall where they lay. Which, but, is, which was found... Uh, the charges he, were found. He was found guilty, as was the, yeah. the other coach, yeah. and they suspended from the touchline for six months. Yeah. Reduced to four. Now, the Whitecaps hired him in 2013, and it was announced early October 2013 that they had hired him. Bobby gave a, an interview with the province, 
um, saying that the club didn't know anything about it until the investigation. I had told the club when it came out in October 2013 because, being a site that covers the residency, Googled him. Yeah, we Googled him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right away, front page on Google, all these things come up. And I was like, are you aware of this? And at the time, they said they weren't aware when they hired him, but they were aware now, whether from my email or before, but they're saying from before. Um, the police, though, had said there was no case to answer. Yeah. Notts County had said they that said that the police had said there was no case to answer. So for them, there was no case to answer. So the Whitecaps hired him. And in some regards, I think that is kind of fair enough because it's an unproven allegation. And we've seen it a lot. It's something that annoys me in the current climate. Anyone can accuse somebody of something and everyone takes it as, as gospel and as fact without it being found guilty. But then he was found guilty and they kept him on because he's got an exemplary record. He's done a lot Here of... Here in Vancouver. Nelson, Nelson. Well, he's done a lot of courses. Done a lot of courses and like workplace diversity courses and everything like that. And he wants to learn. He wants to become a better person. And he's turned his life around. And everyone out in Nelson and the, the Kootenays love him. Big question, though, around all of this. Why did they not do a background check when a, he's, a Google search throws all this up? And they're saying they didn't know that. And they've basically admitted, yeah, we didn't. Bobby said in an yeah. interview, oh, no, we didn't know. I, we didn't check. What kind of hiring process is that when you're hiring someone that's in charge of vulnerable oh, people? Kids, yeah. Is it this? Yeah. Well, you, you, I mean, That's more mismanagement. But, but here's the thing. Yeah. You, because I, I have to, I don't hire people, but I work with volunteers who work with kids. Right. So there's a process to go through. And to be fair to them, there's a chance that you could... With, aside from obviously googling his name, <laughs> um, aside from that, there's a chance that you wouldn't you wouldn't know this, right? If you well, yeah, criminal record because there's nothing was on. No, the, yeah, because yeah. the the thing I do outside of football involves criminal record checks. Yeah. yeah, and the problem with it, there's a program in BC, the Criminal Records Review Program. Yeah. People that work with vulnerable people, children, elderly, disabled, etc., have to go through this. It's only useful if you've been caught and convicted of yeah, something. exactly. Otherwise, it comes back blank. Yeah. So there's a big, big flaws there. Let so they could have done a criminal record check on him in 2013, which they said they haven't, but it, nothing would have come back anyway because he hadn't been found guilty of anything by that point. And the thing is, is with us, is like I, I just came back from chaperoning my uh, son's uh, grade 7 camping trip. I had to go through that whole process too where I had yeah. to go through criminal yep. check, uh, multiple checks like that. And even then, this, we even with that, we had a rule where none of us were going to be alone with the kids. There was going to be yeah, two adults, two adults what they call yeah. it, with other kids at all times. Yeah. Um, I never went to uh, check on the girls uh, in their campground. That was always the the, the, the women that were the chaperones. They went to do a check. I'd check on the boys or whatever. And even then, we'd have two people at yeah. a time. So you, even then, you got to – there's no way – like you said, even if you do with all that criminal checks, you, there's no guarantee that yeah, anything's going to come. But you got to be careful with who you bring in. Which is what Coastal FC said, right? Oh, we did all the yep. checks. Nothing came up. And it, yeah, and it, even and it though really, the person that was there working, hiring people, had work, been working at the Whitecaps. And and <laughs> other people yeah. said, hey, there's a problem here. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at, at worst, it's a willful disregard of what happened because Google – throws it up and they're saying they knew bef 
after he was hired, but before his appointments it had started. Totally. It, it, but that's the, that's the thing. It either there, This is such a lose-lose for the Whitecaps. It's either you knowingly hired someone who did something that was... He was also hired based on a recommendation from someone within the club that they trusted. Right. But you hired someone who did something that I think is disturbing, or you're incompetent. And you didn't you didn't do enough yep. checking. Either and way, it's not good. Yeah. And either way, it's not good. And it appears it's terrifying, that it really it appears going by Bobby Leonard Uzi's statements that it's incompetency, which is a, co- a concern on multiple levels yeah. when you're running a football club. I, I do want to say, I believe people deserve second chances. I have no problem with the Whitecaps giving Brett Adams a job, and if he's a different person now, and he admits that he's he's doing courses and all that stuff you give someone a, a second chance but surely like because although there was no police case to answer yeah. and Notts County said there was no case to answer they did know that there was a, an investigation pending because yes. that was in all the news articles as and well and they should have been doing their own investigation yeah. talking to more people so surely you wait until that investigation is complete before you give the person the second chance. I'm fine to give yeah. the person a second chance, but not while there's an investigation totally. hanging over them. Totally. And the thing is, like you said, there's the, it's basically in 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 the states. Uh, there's been a lot of college scandals, and um, oh, it's yeah. always the the thing they call yeah. it when whenever somebody gets um, uh, fired or something is due to a lack of institutional control. And if you want to, that, that definition fits the Whitecaps right now. Yes. Lack of institutional control. They're not able to control how they're running the club. Is it and, that there's and, too many people in charge of no, too many different they're areas? Just, they're, just, they're just thinking they can get away with this stuff and not pe- people don't pay attention. But now you're in a bigger spotlight in MLS. Or you, you're just not competent enough or to that. do the job Either you're way. supposed to be doing. Either way, it's and, not good. And that, I'm not saying that about one person. I think that could be oh, about yeah. multiple uh-huh. people. Well, and, and speaking of the league, yeah, when are the league going to get involved in this? They wow. must be watching this play out and thinking, "What the what the hell is happening how, here?" How, they're thinking, "How many lines can th- this group co- yeah. cross?" Yeah. There's no way Don Garber is happy how this is no. playing out. It's so good that they don't have a white cap in one of those "Do Not Cross the Line" uh, <laughs> advertisements because th- that would be total fall. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and the league I, uh, you, again. Usually, you want to get out in front of stuff, but the league, because of the single entity and stuff, you it's like they can't get out of the, in front of this. And now, now they have to wait to, for things to come to some kind of, hopefully, some kind of resolution, right? Kind of before they can do anything in this yeah. right because they come out now what are they going to say yeah one of our clubs is in a bad spot over some of the stuff during the mls era pre-mls uh we hope it works out and everyone's okay and every you know things move forward like there's nothing they can say really yeah see the thing is back in 2008 they didn't have to even announce everything if they didn't know all the stuff right if they just said he was terminated and not said by mutual consent he wouldn't. People would have inquired at that time. Well, I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have inquired because Brett Adams. Nobody inquired about him. So, but I assume that somebody would have inquired about him. What's going on? At least that would have covered them. That said, he was terminated yep. by mutual consent. That means that oh, he, uh, maybe I shouldn't coach anymore. That that's it. Doesn't give it that fine you know cut or whatever from. Well, the, we haven't even, we haven't even got the discrepancies in what the Whitecaps said. Yeah, like. <laughs> Now, before they said now they part, say he's part, part, we parted ways. Now they're using the language of terminated, which is a very different thing. So if, I, if I'm not, if I don't misunderstand, it. I no, no, he, they said that in the, the yeah. statement. Yeah, yeah, they said that. 
my understanding is this week there could be some new developments in the media. Um, there's two possible stories that could drop this week. One of them regarding the incidents with the women back in round about 2008. And another one regarding possibly some conflict of interests in the initial investigations into it all. I know there's a couple of journalists working on those Both, two stories yeah. just now. So what's next? Like, if nothing else comes out this week before the Portland game, is another walkout planned? I know the Timbers Army have had talks with the Southsiders, at least, about how they might support any action. It's a Cascadia Derby, a lot of eyes on it. Yeah, which is an important uh, an, an important opportunity for people who want to continue to bring attention to this. Uh, my understanding is what's, what's going on is that... Uh, the local supporters, Curve Collective, Vancouver Southsiders, are continuing to engage in meaningful communication with the group of players. So they are, I think, going to be connecting, let's put it, let's say, ahead of the the next match. Uh, out of that, they'll then be connecting with the Timbers Army, who if you read social media, Timbers Armies are basically saying, we want to support the supporters in the, in the, in the, uh, in Vancouver in this and they also might do their own, they could do their own things because you know one of the heads of the one of the influential people in the running of the Timbers Armies over the years he tweeted he tweeted out saying after the tweeted at the Whitecaps the Whitecaps uh, re, most recent uh, expression it's their, their statement saying this is all fine Eddie uh, what about the racist <laughs> right so I think you could see some I think you could see them express themselves whether it be in song or visually. but well, I, I do feel something needs to happen inside the stadium as yeah. well, not just the walkout, because TSN's not going to show it. They're not going to cover it. They're not going to mention it on the TV. You have some visual stuff there. It's hard to miss. It's. I know there's an issue with getting stuff approved. Who gets stuff? Why would you get stuff approved? That's not how it works. <laughs> as long as you get it up long enough to be seen on the TV. I don't think the t- I think the TV will be probably uh, directed. The camera will be directed Only not to show the, the, anything at that time. Yeah, the approval is for those who are trying to control atmosphere, not create it and be a part of it. This is going to run on and on. It's something I, I don't think anyone thought they would be talking about this season when it started. A lot of excitement with Mark DeSantis taking over. You've got the 40th anniversary celebrations. A lot of goodwill with the club for this season, so much of it's gone. And it's hard really to see how on earth they can turn this around. Can they? they I, I mean, they have to, or what happens? I mean, something has to happen that gets people back on and back loving this club. That's for another day. We will be back, though, in part four with a look at something that we all love. MLS. Yeah.
The Damned Love Song. That's our song from 1979 for this week. Entered the UK charts 40 years ago this week. From the band's third album, Machine Gun Etiquette. Peaking at number 20. Didn't seem to be a hit over here. That was back in the times. Bought so many 7-inch singles. Every week I'd go and spend my pocket money on getting singles. And what bands did, and the damn did this with a song, is they brought out four different picture sleeves. Okay. One for each band member. So if you loved the band, a variant variant comic, comic, you'd buy all four. So that's how it got so high in the charts. New number one song in Canada this week, Knock on Wood by Amy Stewart, having been number one in the US a few weeks before. The US had... The Brilliant Heart of Glass by Blondie at number one, but it was knocked out by Reunited by Peaches and Herb, which was number one for the whole month of May. So we'll be talking about that over the coming weeks. Art Garfunkel was still number one in the UK. It feels like he was never ending. (laughs) Did you guys ever see Watership Down, the movie? No. Oh, because I'm going on about Bright Eyes and then I'm thinking, do you even know what Watership Down and Bright Eyes is? It's an animated what? film about bunnies. It's I did no, terrifying. Sorry, sorry, I have seen that. So sad. I have seen that as a young kid. I watched that. I saw it in the cinema with my mum and I had, I just remembered like crying my eyes I out. I don't remember how old I was, oh. but it was terrifying. I don't remember crying, but I remember being terrified about it. They remade because, it at Christmas on the BBC yes. this year and it's not as terrifying. Well, it's on Netflix as well. Oh. It's on Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a lot nicer version. It's still sad, but. But it, it was, was like it dramatic. was it was very vicious. I do I I I I forgot the name of it, but I do yeah. remember it. when you said bunnies. I go, yeah, that's the one. So we didn't get to do our seventy nine chat last week, so I'm just going to quickly rattle through this because I don't even know how many folk care. But over this period, forty years ago, the White Cats had a home and home game against the San Diego Suckers, losing the one in San Diego one 0 despite dominating. They just couldn't take their chances. So some things never change with the White Caps. <laughs> Quickly got revenge five days later with a 3-1 win at home. Trevor Weimark and a brace from Kevin Hector. But then today, May 5th, 40 years ago, a famous game in San Jose. 2-1 win they got. This, before the match, San Jose got a guy called Crazy George to do an exorcism because they hadn't won a game all season. I think we, Crazy George shows up in Vancouver, BC Lions games. He would have. In the 80s, I think, yeah. But this game was special because this is the famous game that Willie Johnston went to take a corner kick, got offered a swig of beer, took the beer, sent in the corner kick, Peter Daniel heads in the winning goal. Was he offered or did he just take it? No, he was offered it. Oh, was he offered? And he said afterwards, I can't pass up a free beer. Yeah. And then he he drinks it, takes the corner, goal. But it was really warm, he said. Yeah. Yeah. That is on YouTube. If you haven't seen that, actually, the White Cats tweeted that out today as well. Check that out because it's an absolute classic. But that was 1979. Someone actually sent me a more modern version, uh, a remake of that song, which we might play if we get Remake by who? I can't remember who it is, but I, I, I saved it, so I'll check. So if we get sick of the Smashing Pumpkins, we've got that. But something we could never get sick of, Major League Soccer. <laughs> I'm trying to get these segues. <laughs> Whitecats finished the weekend, still second bottom of the West despite their win, but just two points out of the playoff spots. 
I don't know how, but obviously other it teams happens, are dropping man. points all yeah, over. But other teams drop, like they'll get draws and you just keep picking up two points here, two points there. If, like, if you, you look, at, look at the West, the top five seem to be pulling away a little bit. You could almost even say the top six, but we'll say the top five. There's two points separating the five teams from 7th to 11th. So battling for that last playoff spot right now, two points. And we're one of those five teams. And we talked about it earlier. few wins and losses. Everything can change in a hurry. So still a lot of hope. We still hope there might be some strong additions to the Whitecaps. Maybe in the summer window. Maybe some before this window shuts. Who knows? Not going to talk too much this week about the individual games. Because there's some, some main... Major talking points I want to kind of go over. But in the West, Vancouver, Houston, Portland and San Jose were the only four teams that won. Colorado, LA Galaxy, Dallas, RSL and KC all lost. Colorado lost? Surprising. Shocking that. They must have been playing a really good team. Seattle, Minnesota and LAFC, they all drew. But we can't talk about MLS this week without talking about VAR. Video review. I have literally come full circle on it. When it was first mooted, I was not a fan. I was like, I'm, a, I'm an old traditionalist. I'm a grumpy, bitter and twisted, old-fashioned football fan. My t-shirt I'm wearing tonight actually clarifies that point, just well, to, to confirm it. I can I can confirm that. Too. I can corroborate yeah, this. Corroborate this. What I, was looking for. I, I just thought traditionalism... I, I just want the game as it is. It's going to ruin it. Didn't want technology. Then you got goal line technology. I kind of like that. I like the the referees having it on their wrists, which we found out does not, not exist an MLS, in MLS. Yeah. Which you thought comments. it was. Yeah, me and Manuel <laughs> Beth were adamant it was, and Steve's like, no. But I mean, that's good, and it's quick, and it's right away, and you get the answer, and it's a goal or no goal. I like that. VAR came in. I, I quite liked the idea of it at first. We got to see it working. We got some demonstrations, it was a soft launch, everything looked good. But now that we've seen it in MLS, and I'm not just talking about the things that's gone against the Whitecaps, we've seen it in other leagues as well around the world where it's just a mess, things are taking too long, sometimes it's taking four or five minutes to get a decision. The flow of the game is definitely getting interrupted. It's even hit horse racing now, the Kentucky Derby yesterday. Yeah, there was a review video review now you could say as long as they get the correct end result that's all that matters and to that I say piffle Steve could you translate that for me I cannot okay bullshit I say oh, bullshit oh, I, th- I thought it was like a Harry Potter like a just let refs be refs just human error is part of sport from players from the officials. That's just what sport is. It makes the drama, it adds to the drama, it infuriates the hell out of you. You go home shouting at people because they've made a mistake. This is just... I mean, I I can live if human error has cost a white cap something. If an important call has been reviewed and they still get it wrong, which we've had this year, That's that's unacceptable. And yeah, they can review a call like the... Colorado game and it's the correct decision it's good but it's spoiled the whole drama and the yeah. flow of the game my my biggest thing and I was thinking about this 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 week is that they um, I, I think they made a big mistake in allowing 
younger, inexperienced referees to be the VAR officials. I think they should have got the re- re- people that were retiring to be VAR officials, and they had a better understanding for the game. Because I think you need to be on the pitch and be part of that before you could go up in the booth. It's because you lose a little lot in the booth understanding yeah. how the game is being played. Yeah, because we talked about that guy yeah. earlier in the season who hadn't even refed an MLS yes. game, and he was the video. And I'm thinking that they, they made a big mistake. I do th- also think... I, I actually have not had an issue with VAR the previous years in MLS. This year has been worse. And I'm not just saying because it's the Whitecaps. You're right. Like, there are other games where it's bad. I th- I, I kind of think it's that... Oh, oh, was it Geiger? No, Geiger. Yeah, Ge- Geiger took over. When it was <laughs> Peter Walton and... Howard and Webb. Howard Webb. I think it was run better. And I think there's there's there is there seems to be a cor- uh, Who would collaboration. Have thought that if Mark Geiger was in charge of something, <laughs> it wouldn't be good. We, we were so happy that he was retiring from the pitch I that know. we didn't realize he was going to ruin the whole no, league. We, no, him. no, we talked about this at the time. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm still naively holding to the hope that this is a sophomore slump for VAR and that somehow it'll junior get, slump get turned around. Year. It's not. Is that the third it's, full year? It's third year. Yeah. No, because we had Peter Walton as the first year. As with the Did bar. it come in halfway through that? F- I think it came in halfway through that. Oh, season. Okay, so it's not going to. So it's, it's, it's second full season. Anyway, it was red shirted uh, for the first year. <laughs> there you go. Um, but Steve, in tremendous wisdom. I agree with you there. Like as much as you want to get young referees' experience, I want to use that for the clip for next week. <laughs> 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 this this seems like they could have done something better by like this is where you could be, bring in Pier Luigi Colina. Yeah. Or, you, or like what's wrong with him sitting at uh, the, the, the his eyes were popping out of his the hands. doctor dentist guy who's the German referee who had to retire because he passed 45. You could have brought in all these kind of like these kind of people to run this and to yeah. do this uh, where like even with the Howard Webb even though we everyone knows some of his, his mistakes in the mm-hmm. game uh, you you felt a little bit better with when he was involved with this, even though I didn't agree with all his comments but, or perspectives by any means. Um, but you, you, there was something you felt more confident, I guess, yeah. is what it is. And so I it, thought, I thought it was not bad at the World Cup. I thought oh, they the World got, Cup was great yeah, because the, it was like yeah. the commentators were telling you this is what they're doing, yeah. this yeah. is what they're not doing. But we've seen it in Germany. It's been some bad decisions. I think Germany Cups had some bad decisions. I think Germany's just against it because of the, well, again, there's not very. They need to. Like in 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 cricket in rugby, they actually have a big screen yeah. and they tell yeah. you what's wrong. And in rugby, obviously, you, you can hear the ref all the time. Should it be should it be like an all or nothing thing? Should should they be reviewing other things? Like Vanuto got a tackle that you could maybe look back and go, oh well, he's got this injury, so it wasn't a good tackle. Maybe that should be a a review in that. That's you're, just going to slow the game. Yeah, I was going to say you're, more. you're the guy who just said he doesn't yeah. like the break of flow. But it's. You have it for some things, you don't have it for some things. A lot of it is how there's rules, but it's how you interpret yeah. the rules. Com- like in a lot of things in life, communication is very important. Yeah. We just spent a whole, what, a half hour, an hour talking about the Whitecaps yeah. communication, how it's not been great. The, the, the communication needs to be better around this. And I, I you mentioned rugby, Steve, the egg chasing. One of the great things about it is you you get to hear the referee talking to the players. Was it a month ago, Steve? You shared that thing on uh, the soccer web BC Soccer Web headlines of the uh, Australian ref oh, who was yeah. moving over. That was fantastic. That, like, if they if they did that, that, was, that was only done because it was his last game. Yeah. They did decide to do something great. special. But, but it I was, think it, the only reasons you wouldn't do that on MLS are two things: one, the cost; 
Two, you're opening yourself to show your officials incompetence yeah. even at a higher level. But but I think you have the opportunity to move forward in that direction if you yeah. wanted to. Well, let's look at some of the, the decisions in MLS this weekend. I, I watched the Red Bulls Galaxy game, which was an entertaining what? game. But it had VAR all over the place. Yeah. Daniel Royer's goal, or thought he'd got a goal to put Red Bulls 2-0 up. It was called back for offside. Yeah. The liner didn't put his flag up, as they've been told not to do, until super late. Basically, he put it in the net, and then he puts his flag up. Yeah. I don't understand whether that's just to say to the referee, you know, I think it was off. You should probably look at that. They're going to re- look at goals anyway. Then VAR was used for Etienne's winner. It just detracted from the excitement of what was actually a really good game. VAR also gave RSL a penalty against Portland, which was subsequently saved. Beta got a call, a goal called back for LAFC against Chicago. But the big controversy came in Columbus's 3-1 loss at D.C., and apparently video review hates Will Trap. That, that's what we can take from it. Because Pedro Santos looked to have fired the crew in the lead in the 20th minute. VAR ruled it out, though, for a foul by Trap in the build-up. A foul which you look at the replays, and no matter how many times you look at it, Ted Uncle, the referee, seems to be the person that kicked the DC player. And all of a sudden, Will Trap is called back for that. Then VAR gave a handball against Trap. Which probably was, but it's one of those things where he's trying to pull his arm back, and they said he was trying to make himself bigger. Yeah, and it's that grey area. To me, it wasn't a clear and obvious thing. No, and the, it wasn't called at the time. Exactly, and I think, but I think the first one was the worst because that the yeah. kills your momentum. Mm-hmm. Columbus is in the lead. Um, even even if they wanted to call the initial, remember though there was a pass up to the midfield. From the back, and they they, they even said that oh, was a yeah, foul. Oh yeah, because that that was potentially. I don't know. A I don't know which well. foul they they called for that they call. They clarified because the pool reporter afterwards they clarified it was for the well traps. Okay, so then if that's the case, then you're right. It was a clashing of uh, the referee being involved in that too. I thought the referee had a bigger issue against the DC player than Will Trap did. Will Trap just happened to collect the ball. Yeah, Caleb Porter. <laughs> he must have been excited. He, he's Mister Whiny at the best of times, as I can be. But afterwards he said, it's a fair goal, 100%. The referee gets in the way. The referee fouls Acosta. Yeah, then the referee goes and looks at the television to bail himself out. I've never seen in my life anything like that, ever. And this is a really long quote where he goes on about not getting respect and tons of stuff. But three times in the, in the full answer, he talked about the referee bailing himself out. Yeah. Obviously going to get hit with a huge fine. It's worth it. But... Man, it's it's not the first time that we've seen a video review that's then wrong when they review it. And I know it's all kind of perspectives as well, but it, clear and obvious has just gone out the window in this. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Uh, I think they communicated it well at the beginning of VAR, what clear and obvious was, and it appears that they've gone away from that. And uh, either intentionally, unintentionally, whatever, but in this case, Ted's your uncle... You get you get varred and you lose a goal. Yeah. Something else I want to talk about in MLS from this week though is again some some poor crowds and Colorado. I know us going down there, two teams at the bottom of the table. It's not a great draw and it's cold. Ten thousand seven hundred ninety four announced. Didn't even look like that. Yeah. No, that's paid or whatever. Talking of announced, Orlando announced 22,377 for the game against TFC. And I don't know if you saw that or not. That 
was a mass of empty purple seats. Yeah, so they're paid. saying there was just 3,000 short of the capacity. What's happened to all that stadium and the, the fans packing it in? And they're one of the newer teams. The older teams, we've seen the two Texan teams are struggling to draw. New England struggling to draw. Chicago, Columbus. And I know all these teams have gone through stuff with the supporters. They've pissed off a lot of folk off. And I saw this on Reddit. I heard actually Pete Shad talking about this on the on the radio um, at some point this week as well. MLS, they're focused so much on expansion. Mm-hmm. Should they not be looking at what they can do to help these older teams get their fan bases back and get support in that area? I don't want to see teams moved, but it makes a lot of sense to me if you're not drawing and you've got a market that can't get in, that it's going to pack it out. At some point, they're going to move these teams. Uh, You'd think. Well, it looks like they're they're they might be going up to thirty two. So maybe they mm. still have the space. Maybe it to kills, do it. But, kills it for but a this bit. is a league that is controlled by a marketing company, right? Yeah. So all they they care all they care about is is the money that they're making, and the pyramid scheme that they're running is nearing its pinnacle, and they need to get as much out of it well as they can while they can. And you're right, uh, and they need. <laughs> And I know this people are going to say, oh, Zach, you're a supporter, so all you care about is supporter and their culture and blah, blah, blah. But they need to focus on working with supporters to, yeah. to move. Not pissing off their supporters. To groups. move forward with that and not so much worried about the sponsorships and uh, what. And you need those things. Yeah. I'm not saying ignore them completely. No. But you, you, they have done such a bad job in working with the supporters who create the atmosphere that make football. One of the things that makes football different and unique in the North American sporting landscape that you are, uh, you there's there's potential big problems right now. And right now, I, in one sense, I feel like it feels like they don't care because of the expansion money coming in because of some of the sponsorships they have that they feel good about those things and they can trumpet those things. But yes, it does not look good in any of these, in, sorry, in a number of these grounds. And the thing is, what I don't understand about it is that they, the, the, how do they not realize that the reason why they're getting the expansion money. Yeah. They're getting the sponsorship money. They're getting the TV money. It's because people watch this and they see how the supporters are are in the stands, how they're making it an atmosphere. That's the reason why they got all this sponsorship yeah. money. Before the supporter, uh, who yeah. was, TFC, TFC was considered yeah. was the first one. Before TFC came, they were not really no. pulling anything. Like I barely, MLS was barely on my radar. At that time, before TFC, yeah. and even when TFC came in, when it was, essentially when the Whitecaps started, that's when the MLS got really got on my radar yeah. with the Whitecaps joining, and then you kind of see what's everything going on. Before that, it was nothing. So that's the thing is, it's not just. I mean, it's tied obviously tied into expansion and the money that comes with that. But what's been keeping uh, keeping it going, and what's partly the people are seeing, Steve, these things that they're looking at and they're seeing, and that look exciting and yeah. look meaningful, is yeah, it started really with TFC, and when TFC came into the league, what they did was they didn't. One of the things they did was they said, "This is not for families. This we want supporters here," and so that's what they focused on then. And that the atmosphere at BMO, whether you think it was great or okay or whatever, or your style or not really helped change the league. Yep. Then two years later... I, I watched Seattle. it in the UK, Se- yeah. Toronto's first season, and I was like, wow, this is fantastic. Two years later, Seattle comes in. They yeah. they take it, They, uh, in, in my yeah. opinion, take it to another level. Yeah. Yeah. Two years later, you have uh, Portland come in 
in my opinion, they take it. Uh, they add a different flavor to the yeah, whatever. It's not the, the big the scale, but they do it in a in a, in a passion. It, yeah, it, it, the, stadium, the stadium isn't big, it, but the, su- the supporters. Yeah. No, no, but think they do it in yeah. intimate atmosphere. The, then you, what was next? Was it uh, Atlanta? Atlanta did it, but I would say the Montreal, pe- Montreal a little Montreal. bit. Atlanta. Now you have LAFC is the one that they're all trumpeting and they're all looking at. Yeah, and the thing is, is when you listen to I listen to the podcast, Bill Simmons podcast. Oh yeah, the BS report. Whenever they mention LAFC, they don't mention the product on the field. They don't mention uh, uh, wins or losses. They always mention the atmosphere. Yeah. It's great to be in that atmosphere. They're not. They're not mentioning anything else. They're not mentioning the TV deal or the sponsor or anything like that. They're not mentioning. Oh, it looks so great on TV. They just love being yeah. there and being. Some like, of the markets, though, it's just hard to see how they're going to get the fan bases back. And it should be a big wake up call for Vancouver yeah. that you cannot rely on having these crowds stick by you. When the going gets tough or something happens that drives the fan base away, getting them back again is a tough thing. Columbus, you drove the fans away because they thought they were moving. They're staying. The fans haven't come back not, in the not, numbers that no, they, they were hoping for. And that's that's concerning. Well, LAFC, they're now top of the West with the Galaxy. That's the top two teams there. Out East, you've got Philly and DC. Philly put six past New England on Saturday. And New England's keeper made nine saves. Yeah, I predicted him to win the MLS Cup two years ago, so it's finally paying off. <laughs> yeah. the, the problem with the problem with some of these teams, and specifically in Vancouver, the potential for what is there's not. It's just uh, they they've come to see sporting sports just as entertainment and just about yeah. business. Which I'm not saying that's an irrelevant or unimportant thing. I think it's an important element of things. But they've come to see it only as that. And so they fail to make a deeper connection with people. And when you don't have a deeper connection, it's easier to walk away. It's easier to not be committed. It's easier to not be loyal. It's easier to stay away. And this is what teams in MLS need to be worried about. They need to address. They need to have a plan for, including in Vancouver. Very well said. We'll be back with the final part of this week's show after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. But you are back listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. Now, last week's show was a shorter show. It meant we couldn't complete Football Violence Awareness Month. Oh, so you're dragging it so into I'm dragging it into me, right. but only for one song, and then we'll move away from it. This is a great song, I think, to end it. It's a right toe-tapper. It's from 1989, from a band called The Men They Couldn't Hang. They're an English band. It's talking about English fans and hooligans going over to play Ireland and the havoc that they cause. I don't like the English side of it. Obviously, I was cheering on the Irish people in this song, which is quite a good thing. This is Rosettes. Two didn't get past the customs man Three got drunk in a hole 
The men they couldn't hang with rosettes. That, that's a football fashion trend that never really caught on past the 70s, football rosettes. I don't even know if you guys even had them over here. If you look at like pictures of football fans going back to the, the 70s, the, the stereotypical look was like scarves tied around both wrists mm. and a kind of hat and then a rosette. I don't recall a rosette here ever. Mm. But now it's time for BC Soccer Web Headlines. BC Soccer Web Headlines is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for local, national and international news, links and stories. Make it part of your everyday reading routine. Check out bcsoccerweb.com. A lot on the site this week. What was catching your eye, Steve? Well, I, I picked out some of the bigger stories, um, some of the more interesting stories, and a couple stories that um, uh, from the previous weeks, because we had a couple weeks off right. doing BC Soccer Web because of last week. Um, so, uh, number one, the first story here, we got, uh, uh, you know, FIFA's looking out for the little guy, looks like. Uh, they look <laughs> always like, do. They always, they look like they're creating a bank to control the transfer money. That it goes from club to club. What, what could go wrong? What go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? Exactly. I mean, I I know bankers are shady people. So if I Does wanted someone to run a bank, FIFA 
it's my first person, I would think. Swiss banks, FIFA's in Switzerland. So it, all, they, it all work out. They estimate that about 50 million euros in training fees aren't paid to clubs that uh, the players spent time at between the ages of 12 to 23. That's like an MLS alone. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they want, and, the and because of that, they want increased transparency. Uh, what they will do is they will create a control chamber, uh, which doesn't sound that great, uh, that will see all the payments pass through it, and then they will be responsible for distributing the money to each recipient. Yeah, that doesn't sound too great either. Can we get a, a, like a, a tour of the control chamber? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, another thing, there be, and this kind of seems like good news, uh, possibly for the health of players, they're going to be allowing temporary substitutions if players suffer from serious head injuries in matches. Mm-hmm. Um they're calling for also calling for independent doctors with expertise in concussion to take the final call of whether a player is fit to continue. That I'm all in favor of. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it this week Champions in the Champions League? League? Yeah. Never Jan, have been a Jan Vertonghen. Uh, yeah. 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 He let him back on, then he was back he off threw again. Up, Ab- like, yeah. Absolutely and ridiculous. There was one in the World Cup uh, when Germany won it. There was a German player that oh, they had. Schweinsteiger. No, no, it was no, no, he was a younger some, player. Oh, he no. looked so out of it, and yes. they put him back on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember yeah. that. That was in the final, right? That was in the final, yeah. I think. Yeah, um, and they won the World Cup. <laughs> MLS news: uh, Judge is ruling that Beckham's group can knock down Fort Lauderdale Stadium. Uh, the, uh, this is the whole Lockhart Stadium that's having Fort Lauderdale. That's being that was um, contested by uh, another a USL. The team that wanted to put uh, a USL club that wanted to put a team in Miami. Uh, essentially, they will be allowed to now redevelop it as a training facility and a temporary stadium for Inter Milan uh, for a couple of years while they build this a major in- stadium. Inter Miami. No, Inter Miami. Not for Inter Milan. That's, so a, that's a big breaking story. No, that, well, but isn't that. Aren't they suing him over the name still? They're, oh, what, yeah. <laughs> this is the longest. Like, you talk about like. Uh, you know, Roller tra- transfer fees that that wear on for it's a year or two. Expansion team. This is history. like it's all, is it a it's not a decade, but it's a long time. It's like what seven years? It's crazy. Why are they going into Fort Lauderdale? That's going to be where the training facility is supposed okay. to be at the temporary stadium while they build the main, main stadium because that's going to take a few more years. Just call them Fort Lauderdale then. The, but the the group that lost the the case to stop them from they wanted they, obviously they're still going to be putting a, filing a lawsuit against the city of Miami over the deals, uh, uh, how the deal for the stadium was completed with Inter-Miami. Um, uh, in Canada, in Toronto itself, uh, Spanish soccer's uh, La Liga is going to be setting up a youth academy in the Toronto region. Uh, they're looking to further brand overseas. Uh, they're in a few countries, I'll just mention it a bit. Uh, they chose Toronto as a site for the Spanish League's First soccer academy in North America. The academy, which will be open to boys and girls from 4 to 18. Uh, they're promising the higher standards of Spanish soccer training uh, directly from UEFA Pro uh, certified La Liga coaches. Um, they're also hoping to add camps in Vancouver and Montreal and other cities in future years. They're saying La Liga has a five-year plan in North America coinciding with the 2026 World Cup. Um, currently, they operate academies in China, Egypt, Indonesia, and the United Arab Emirates. Okay, how does how does okay? I know private enterprise and whatever, but like, surely, like a governing body has to have some control over what, like, I, well, I guess there are private academy, like what Barcelona run their camps at Burnaby Lake. Yeah, but that's like and a, they're packed because folks just want to say, "Oh, my kids in the Barcelona Academy." This is this is it's weird. I don't, surely, I don't like it. surely the CSA must be able to do something or uh, banking the money. 
I don't know. Yeah. I, it, it, it just doesn't. Am I wrong? Like it doesn't no, I'm, seem I'm right. It, it doesn't just, seem it seems weird. Like you obviously want your kids and you want you want players to develop, and if this helps, maybe maybe. But it just feels it feels awkward. I don't know. I would feel I'd say the same. If it was German if it was German camps or Bayern camp or what, like it just yeah. German camps don't have a good reputation. <laughs> you shouldn't have said German camps. Um, so uh, uh, finally, in uh, uh, a little bit, uh, kind of related to uh, CPL, um, there is uh, the, we talked about it a few weeks ago. Saskatchewan selects mm. yeah. unveiling their team roster jerseys ahead of their Saskatchewan Summer Soccer Series. I like the jerseys, and and interesting enough, the jersey is made by Macron. So uh, that seems like a tie-in to CPL. Uh, this, this, def- like we talked about soft launch before, this looks like a soft launch of a, a team, whether it's going to be Saskatoon or Regina, or maybe both, yeah. maybe they share a team or something like that. I don't know. So the inaugural game of the series was in uh, Saskatoon yesterday. Yeah. I think they lost 2-1 to uh, Foothills, I think. Yeah, yeah, they were playing Foothills. Yeah, I oh, think yes. It, it was a, I'm pretty sure it was a one-goal game. I'm pretty sure it was 2-1 to Foothills. And um, yeah, like I, I know some of the, the the guys in Saskatchewan who are trying to help make this happen, help bring CPL. Joel Beeland, I think, is the guy who is trying to wanting to be the owner. Uh, he's tweeted lots about CPL. You can look him up on Twitter. But um, steps forward. There's some video from the game and the fans and yeah. whatever. It, and it needs a team there. Twenty five hundred to three thousand people for like these. Semi-pro, whatever, like... Oh, you, more than Pacific Drew midweek. Yeah, so Foothills is... This is a weekend, though. And and Foothills is what? PDL? PDL, right. Yeah, okay. So, that's... They're, they're trying USL to show... League 2. They're trying... Thank you. They're oh, trying to... They're trying <laughs> to show that there's a will there for this. And I think... I think this first match states their case pretty well. And I hope... It, we Everyone... Uh, Everyone who wants football, the CPL yeah. to come to Saskatchewan, hopes it'll continue. And they have the, a proper crest right now. They yeah, have sponsorship nice. on the club and everything. So it seems like they got uh, the stuff in line, ready to go. And it's just a matter of showing that they have the support yeah. for the team. And the league needs to get in these provinces where they're not. Yeah, Quebec looks to be having the team, although might have to wait till twenty twenty one. If they do bring For a team, it was one of the things yeah. they weren't sure. If they, if they bring a team in, they need to make sure they do everything evenly, like going forward. We need we can't have odd number of teams because it just yeah. messes up the whole schedule. Yeah. Let's have one team come in next year. Then from then on, if you're going to bring a team in, they have to have a partner to go with. I agree. That is it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. Just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at Zachary AM, and I'm a part of the Movement Curva Collective. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada, on Instagram at AFTN Soccer, and on YouTube at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Until next week, though, thanks for listening. Take care, and mon the caps! Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
et...